This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Specter Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network powered by Raven International. I'm your host, Debbie Specter Weissman, the Dream Coach. This is the show where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love. And as always, I'm here to help you understand your dreams. So if you've got a dream that's got you stumped, email me at Debbie at dreampowerradio.com. I can help you understand your dream or answer any general questions you may have about dreams. So again, you can email me at Debbie at dreampowerradio.com. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that dreams come in all shapes and sizes. There are the nighttime dreams. They're as varied as the flecks of sand on the beach. Then there are the daytime dreams that spark ideas, inventions, and even new ways of thinking. But above all else, what makes dreams worthwhile is when you follow them. And that's the path that was taken by my guest today, Susie Plaxon. Susie's quest to follow her dreams led her to fulfill her dream to be an actor. She went from Broadway to Hollywood, where she'd been a regular fixture on numerous films and television shows. But I brought her on today to speak about her new project, a book called The Return of King Lillian, which is a dream all unto itself. Welcome to Dream Power Radio, Susie. Thank you so much, Debbie. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, Dream Power audience. How are you today? I'm sure they're waving their hellos to you, too. Oh, good. Hello, hello. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about The Return of King Lillian, which is a fantastic fantasy novel. Uh, it's my understanding that it too was inspired by a dream. So can you tell me about that? Absolutely. Actually, it was uh, inspired by a series of dreams over a period of a few decades. The first one uh, came to me when I was knocking my head against the wall in New York City, trying to be an actor and being spectacularly unsuccessful. And um, I had what I call a flash dream, which is about the length of what is now commonly called, I hate this word, GIF, G-I-F. In other words, it's a, mo- it's a moment of movement. And I saw a tall woman with long red hair. This was before I had red hair. And uh, she was riding a gorgeous, gleaming chestnut steed slightly up a hill underneath a cathedral archway of gigantic trees. And she had a purple musketeer type hat on and she had a, a red velvet cape on scarlet velvet. And, and then she disappeared underneath the trees. And it was, as I say, literally a moment in time, but it was hologrammatic of this world and it imprinted itself on my psyche so deeply. And I sort of cherished this little vision for a while 
And I think I called her a female Don Quixote. I didn't know what she was called, but, but that's what it looked like to me. And then maybe, I'm not a big chronological time person, so don't put me on a witness stand without coaching, but it could be a year later that I had another flash dream and then another, and it just began to completely, I won't say obsessed, because that word sounds so feverish, but it began to inspire me. And it harpooned my heart, as I say. And as time went by, I began to just play with the world. And, and, and I'm, you know, I never considered myself a writer, certainly not at that time. So I was cursing the heavens and saying, why me? You need Charles Dickens. Leave me alone. But uh, it was mine to do. So what, in, what did inspire you to actually go ahead and turn the, these images into a novel? That was a long time in coming. Because as I say, I never considered myself a writer, let alone a writer of novels. And I think it was a sole imperative, I like to say, to birth it as the thing it most wanted to be. So to truncate the story, as the years went by, I began to um, play with dialogue, play with scenes, play with story arc, uh, uh, all of that. And, and all of that was developed and I was walking around with pregnant, massively pregnant with this world, this story, these characters, clueless as to how to bring them to the world. I tried to write a teleplay. I tried to write a movie. None of it was taking. But each time I did it, each time I played, even though it felt like failure, I learned and gleaned so much. And then uh, uh, I, I, we always think of my, my dear friend, Kristen Overn, who's a, an old brilliant buddy of mine from Northwestern University. We always think we signed up for this in between lifetimes. We discovered that we lived about uh, five minutes from each other in Los Angeles. And uh, that is in and of itself kind of a synchronicitous miracle. And Kristen is uh, the founder and director of the Page International Screenwriting Awards and a very brilliant person. And we ended up working together. She directed uh, uh, my music video called Didn't Want to Do It. We had a blast. And I was then whining to her that I had this huge world and what was I going to do with it? And how was I gonna, and finally she had the time to, uh, to hear it pitched to her because people are always pitching things to her. And we just began to realize that the form it should take was, um, first it was when eBooks were just beginning to come out. Like, oh, I can write it and make it this whatever. And then I would read the chapters to her. I would drive to her house, read the chapters to her. And she'd say, we gotta make this an audio book. So that's really important for your audience to know too. The audiobook is, uh, it has been released at the same time that the novel and the, uh, the novel has been released uh, because that was, uh, that was a delicious thing to do. I think there are about 50 characters I haven't really counted. Um, and uh, it just became apparent when I was going through all of the material that I'd accumulated all those years. I pulled out one that was a diary. And I began to read it out loud just because. And immediately I went, oh, that's it. It's a diary. And by the way, the diary 
thing came from a dream as well. Just the notion to even play with it. There were only a few pages. And, and then that was it, off to the races. It's so the lion's share of the book is told by Lillian in diary form. And then there's a wraparound story at the very beginning, uh, which is the prologue and part three, which um, is called The Beginning. And uh, that's Lillian's origin story told by an omniscient narrator, but most of it's told by Lillian. So that's the long, long, long-winded answer to your question, how it became this novel. Because I would never have elected to write, it my, write that myself, I promise you. Yeah, I, I want to step back for a second about what you've said about starting from a dream and even the idea of it being, you know, the diary coming from a dream. I want to impress upon this audience the importance of remembering any dream, whether it's a teeny, 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 tiny little image or a tiny anything, because that alone can open up worlds for you. Um, I mean, I've told the story yes, it can. about the one word dream that literally changed my life, which was just one word, not even the image, just the word that came in the dream. And that sparked a whole thing because, wow. because I paid attention to it, just like you paid attention to this image. Wow. You just drilled into it and drilled into it until it actually was able, it was like growing a seed. You, you planted the seed and then it blossomed and blossomed. It's exactly it. I think of it actually, I totally think of it as a light seed. Mm -hmm. that that is that that absolutely has been watered and cultivated and when you shine your own light onto it that is your attention and your devotion to it then it grows and grows and grows that's when the dreams start yielding other things you know i would sometimes have dreams that were they weren't about the story but they were telling me where i was at it you know, at one point uh, in my kitchen, um, Lillian appeared and she looks like me, but she's not me. That's, that's, that's a really odd thing. And she's standing in her fully fairyized costume, which I didn't know was fully fairyized, pouring me in the dream. And it's really rare to ever see myself in a dream. And I'm in a dream and I'm too far away. I'm like five feet too far from the counter that she's pouring. And I'm sitting there wearing a sweatshirt and I'm soaked with shame and guilt. And that's all I see. And she, I mean, the view of her and the lighting and the trees behind it is so out. It's, it's, it's heavenly. It's so beautiful. And I woke up and I realized it was because I felt so terrible because I had still not found a way to bring it into the world. Mm -hmm. And that eventually, you know, I didn't know that eventually I would, but that's what I, I knew. In other words, it was sometimes a barometer of how I was feeling about it. But that dream also gave you a reminder that to keep going, <laughs> keep going. Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And they were those kind of little dreams. Um, and there, there were quite a few, quite a few little mystical occurrences that happened around this all the way down the road. So it's a pleasure to actually speak to somebody who gets that. Right. One of the things that, that I'm kind of curious about is you have a wonderful, wonderful cast of supporting characters to Lillian. Did you dream them up? <laughs> That's an, first off, thank you so much. I adored them. They, I didn't dream those per se, 
generally speaking, in the dreams that I had, the flash dreams that I had, I would see Lillian. But um, they sort of, you know, you kind of reel in an idea from the, from the other side, from the unmanifest, as it were. And along with Lillian came these other characters. And they would just, they populated the world. So um, I suppose it's, a, it's a, 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 from unconscious to conscious dreaming. So in that manner, yes, I suppose so. <laughs> One of the characters I especially liked was Hank, the horse. He was part and parcel of that first dream. She was riding this glorious chestnut steed and they were one. And there was another uh, dream that I had, a flash dream as well, in which um, she was galloping, galloping, galloping along the, uh, the edge of the horizon and they came to a stop. And, and it was so, such a beautiful, heroic picture of her astride him and just looking off with such happiness into this, into this gloriously colorful world. So he was there. Hank came to me. Hmm. Wonderful. Uh, I want to get back to actually the, the story itself, because the main theme of the story was Lillian's sure. to find home. Do you see this also as a mm -hmm. universal quest for all of us to find the place where we belong? Oh, I love that. I love the way you just said it. And, and I'd say yes, because it almost brought tears to my eyes, the way you just said it. Absolutely. I didn't, once again, have that in my mind when I welcomed the story in. But yes, I, I mean, some people see whatever they see in this story. But there are many people who've seen that. Someone said, um, it's the story of a soul and the story of the soul. And I sometimes think it's a, is it a, a fool on a soul's journey or a soul on a fool's journey? And by fool, I mean, of course, the archetype from the tarot, you know, just the, the innocent. Mm -hmm. So yes, thank you. That was so beautifully said, yes. Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, so early on in her adventures, she enters the forest of forgetfulness. And when I first read this, I thought about dreams because they can be so vivid and so real to us, and yet they can disappear so easily if we don't, you know, write them yes. down. Anymore. Did you see the forest sure. of forgetfulness as a metaphor for the dream world? No, I didn't see anything as a metaphor for anything else. Really, knowing, I mean, something in me knew, because of course I love myth and I've always loved fairy tales. Yes, there is always resonance, but the... The symbol came before what it symbolized. In other words, the forest of forgetfulness just was there and just just came to me to for Lillian to wander into. There was no uh, oh, this will be um, mythically indicative of X, Y, and Z. So uh, it, it it just was part of the fantasy and part of the part of the um, part of the uh, of the world. W H I R L D. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to get to that because you spell world and the whole wide world, which she refers to as the world, you spell it differently from the way we usually do. You know, was that intentional and, and why? Yes. Again, no, but intentionally, a lot, intentionally, you know, when you get all sorts of ideas about something to do artistically, 
something may feel right, but is it confusing? Is it, uh, you know, you have to ask yourself all those questions. And, and that's a lot of what um, uh, Kristen Overn and I did. You know, there was lots of, is that, it, does that make sense? Because that's what is coming out naturally. W-Y-D-E, W-H-I-R-L-D. And there was something about it that felt so right to me in the same way that it felt always right to me the way that Lillian talks, that there's something sort of quirky and, and um, just, uh, 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 I remember Kristen had once said to me uh, when I think we were probably six chapters in and she called me one night and she said, you know, it's so, she was talking about how much she was getting into enjoying it and we were having such a good time. And she said something about how she liked she thought it was so wonderful how Lillian's verbs or use of verbs was so interesting. And I was, huh? What do you mean? I, cause I hadn't said the word verb probably since I was in middle school and I didn't know quite what she meant. And I don't want to uh, blow it by, you know, misquoting something to your, to your wonderful audience. I'd rather them go to the website and read and, and, um, and read excerpts and listen to excerpts. But that was, Artistically allowed is, is really the best phrase I can come up with at the moment. And in the same way as the spellings or that there would be words that she would use that I never have heard. Um, it's not that I think of it as any kind of channeling as it were, but the character speaks the way she speaks because she does. So, you know, not intentional, but always filtered as, is this something that can still you know, resonate and, and be communicated clearly. Right, which as it should be. Uh, with that, we are going to take a short break here. We're speaking with artist and author Susie Plaxon on Dream Power Radio, and we'll be right back. When is a car not a car? When it shows up in your dreams. Cars are one of the most common dream symbols. If you don't know why you're dreaming about cars or any image, it can leave you confused or scared. But that dream could be a solution to a pressing problem or an insight into a solution that's been bugging you for years. Go to my website and sign up for a complimentary discovery session and I'll help you understand why a dream is a terrible thing to waste. Go to thedreamcoach.net for more information. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, and welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm talking with author Susie Plaxon about her new novel, The Return of King Lillian. And Susie, I want to get back to the characters because they are so varied and so interesting. Were any of them inspired by people in your real life? No, actually. I think that they were just amalgams, maybe somewhere amalgams of people I have met without even realizing, you know, I always just think of my, my brain as a sort of Cuisinart and, and, and art and life sort of get, get thrown into a big smoothie in my mind. And, uh, and so no, there was no one I'd actually met and said with the, well, that's not quite true. Uh, across the boards, but I, I wouldn't give away what that is or who that person is or who that creature is. Okay, we'll I just realized keep, there was, yeah. We'll keep that a mystery just unto ourselves. Yes, we will keep it mystery. Mystery's good. 
Yeah, so especially in a book like that that has, you know, it's full of, of mystery and intrigue and all kinds of wonderful little fantasy things, which is really keep you going. Oh, um, thank you. Yes. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, I want to turn to another aspect. Uh, music plays a major role in the story. So I want to ask you how you view the yes. music in, in our actual real lives. Ah, well, I think music really is a healer, an inspirer, an uplifter. I think it's a shifter of molecules, certainly. You know, I was noticing the other day, and I now and again do notice this, that the people, the artists who are musicians, who aren't really as attached to the worldly things and, and much more attached to music and much more plugged into their heart, tend to age really well. Because I think that there's something about the actual vibrations of, 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 of the notes of singing, of playing, that is really physical as well as um, philosophical, emotional. It dissolves boundaries between people. I just think music is one of the mightiest forces on the planet, actually. Mm. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Yes, and, and it weaves so well throughout the story. Uh, at one point in, oh, in your story, Lil, for Lillian to get to where she wants to go, she has to recite the words pink, purple, periwinkle, peacocks, 7,700. <laughs> well done! I mean, I'm having trouble saying it even once. No, you did it fantastically well. It was smooth <laughs> as silk. I'm totally impressed. So how did you how did you come up with something like that? I mean, the, the, those little touches just well, funnily, the book. saliently, that was a um, that was a, a flash dream, and it was and the flash dream. This is how they work. It was not that every chapter came from a flash dream, but this particular one did. I had a flash of an image of Lillian walking down the wide dirt road and at the time she was just wearing you know her poet shirt and her green leggings and her boots and i don't and she had her cape was her sack was a kind of you know traveling sack and i knew it was just a flash of her in this hyper saturated gloriously colored green green world and i knew she was either going from or coming from or going to the land of the pink purple periwinkle peacocks and there was no one else in the dream, but I just knew it. And it stayed with me. This, I mean, you know, it's not going to leave that fast when you hear pink, purple, periwinkle, peacocks. And, <laughs> and I just was so enchanted by it that it stayed. And again, like a little light seed grew into a little sapling and then grew into a chapter. And Creating projects of my own where, you know, I've written books where it's, you get to the end of it and, you know, it, it's like leaving literally a chapter of your life behind. How, did, how was it when you actually finished the book? How did that make you feel when you were done? Like, you know, it's so, it's, what a great question. It's, it's funny because I remember at one point, um, because Kristen and I have worked in such collaboration, at one point we were, we looked at each other, we're like, whoa, it's done. And you know, two years later, it wasn't done because we had to rewrite and, you know, I was in the booth and reconstructing this and redoing that. I think <clears throat> now I'm beginning to get the feeling that yes, in fact, it has been born. So it's a slow feeling of being able to exhale. 
once all of these little techno elements, you know, it's such wizardry that we can publish our own books and put it out there in the world. But there's, there's a bit of techno hell to pay, you know, to, <laughs> to cross the border. Um, so, so it's coming in stages, this feeling of, yes, finally, at last. I remember the first time I saw the actual copy of the book, physical, in my hands. And I was split. Part of me looked at it and went, oh, sure. And the other part of me went, wow, this is a dream that is actually physicalized in my hands. So it was both. I was a little, it was a little out of body and a little bit like, uh-huh, of course, anyway. It, 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 so it's, it's mixed and it's, and it's coming in stages, but, but it's a good feeling. Not much I, I can safely say. That's good. Do you see doing a sequel, King Lillian? No, I'm going to nap first for a very, very long time. And then I'm going to have champagne. Uh, to me, it is a, at this moment in any case, never say never, but at this moment in any case, there is, um, it's a self-contained myth. And it, as you know, because you've read it, it's a circular myth and keeps kind of uh, going round and round. So uh, maybe one day there is a character that isn't actually in the book that, uh, that I definitely think has a story to tell, but she's about the book. So that sounds mysterious and cryptic and all sorts of things because it may never get rid <laughs> I may I may still be sleeping. So <laughs> or, or it may come to you in your next dream. You got it. It may come to me in my next dream, but I'll hire someone else to write it. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I just never expected truly when when I hear you say author Susie Flax and I go, mm, not really, because I'm somebody who, who I, I I have written. But, uh, I, you know, I know authors, you're an author's people, right? They sit down, they finish a book, they write another book. That to me is an author. So it's, it's still kind of a new moniker for me. Uh, well, actually, um, I understand you also describe yourself as a multimedia artist at large. So what do you mean by that? <laughs> yes. yes. Well, I probably mean I'm a semi-talented dilettante is probably what I mean, but I didn't know how else to put it out there. I sculpt, I sing, I songwrite, I'm an actor, I've written a book, and I just seem to have this way of once I have finished something, whether it's a sculpture, whether it's a short story, whether it's a book, whether it's an audio book, the next thing generally doesn't bear much resemblance to the thing before it. There might be, you know, I've done a solo show in which I played Eve and uh, a, a few other goddessy types, a philosophical solo show. So that's, that's what I mean, just sort of um, multifaceted um, in my artistic expression. We, it, it all comes from art, just different, different, um, different expressions of it, different mediums. Okay, so what's next for you? Uh, as I say, a nap and probably a glass of champagne. <laughs> Maybe some pizza. Pizza's, pizza's always a celebratory food. It is. It is. You can't <laughs> ever go wrong with pizza. That's for sure. Never go wrong with pizza. Okay. Well, you know, I can't believe it. We are just almost out of our time. So one final question to you is how can people find out more about the book and about you? 
Well, if they want to find out more about the book and a little bit more about me, they can go to kinglillian.com and they can listen to excerpts. They can read about the backstory. They can read excerpts. And again, they can sign up for a few free chapters that uh, will be audio and ebook chapters. And it will also tell them where they can buy it if they are so inclined. And they can also find a little more about me at suzyplaxon.com, S-U-Z-I-E-P-L-A-K-S-O-N.com. And uh, thanks folks for listening. <laughs> thank you, Debbie, so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really honored, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Dream Power Show. And uh, we have been talking with author, and multimedia artist <laughs> all about her new book, The Return of King Lillian and other such things and about the power of dreams as well, uh, which I think she's dis displayed in great detail uh, and which you can see, uh, which you can see or read about in, in the book. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. And until next time, this is Debbie Spector-Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Specter Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International.